Welcome in, Kyoto, to a, another episode of the Podfathers, Slam Diego Padres podcast. Tonight's show, we got Quinn and Patrick coming back on the pod, recording on a Thursday night here, off day for the pods. We'll start with you, Quinn. How has life been treating you lately, my friend? Life's good. We're, uh, you know, it's been a pretty low-key summer, and uh, we're, we're kind of ramping up uh, work, and other than that, happy and healthy. I've got a broken toe. Uh, I decided my uh, my neighbor's child's bike was a was a good uh, dummy for for some kicking exercises. Um, I was told next time just kick the child because they're a lot softer. They have more give. <laughs> um, oh god. So uh, my toe was at my pinky toe was actually like almost like a right angle. Uh, so I had, that was two weeks ago, two and a half weeks ago. That was fun. But, uh, we are, we're taped up. I've got a little boot that I wear and we should be good to go by, uh, football, uh, football season. Nice. Patrick, uh, I'll bring you in here. Funny enough, Quinn's middle name is Patrick. Um, so you probably thought I was introducing your entire state mm-hmm. name here, your government name here. Patrick also broke his toe. That's why I was laughing so hard. Both his, his pinky toe as well. So, Patrick, you want to share your uh, pinky toe <laughs> breakage? Yeah, summer's going good. I mean, playing a lot of uh, beach touch uh, rugby right now and uh, managed to kick someone's heel. Uh, was that a week, a uh, week and a half ago? Yeah, two yeah. Sundays ago. Um, didn't really notice much when we were playing until I went in the water. And uh, when I was picking my foot up off the sand, it was just pinky toe just flapping around in the water didn't quite know realize something's not right so uh <laughs> you know i was like damn broke that bad boy and went home and uh just tried yanking on a bit because it wasn't hurting so I was like, maybe it's more dislocated and never heard i mean besides when i did the ankle and shoulder pop just as loud but uh actually ryan i think yesterday i was on the phone with you and like almost yeah. man, I screamed every uh curse word in the book uh when i was on the phone with you when i kicked the chair again the same pinky toe. I think he actually set it back in place. It's been feeling great actually since I uh, kicked that chair. <laughs> so actually feels a lot better. So I think, I think it was a good thing. But uh, uh, right foot or left foot, Quinn? Left foot. Uh, right. And uh, I went in. So they had to reset it. And so I went in. They numbed it up. And he and he comes back in about 20 minutes after injecting my foot and slaps the shit out of it. And I was like, oh, God. He's like, you feel that? And I was like, no, actually, I didn't. He's like, all right, we're good to go. Let's start working on it. All uh, right. And, you know, I couldn't feel it. So he's like yanking it, trying to realign it. And then I felt like it felt like it bubbled burst inside my toe. Yeah. There was no pain, nothing. And I was like, oh. He's like, yeah, I think we just got it. We're good. I'm glad he said. I'm glad. Uh, he sounds very reassuring. I think we got it. So, that's <laughs> <laughs> I think well, we got it. You know, since we're, since we're uh, sharing phalange stories before we get into the agenda here, I I broke my pinky, so it's always the the end little yeah. stupid tiny bone, right? Just chop them off. I mean, they cause yep. too much pain and freaking yeah. problems, anyways. But I broke my pinky on uh, my buddy's leg in eighth grade playing basketball. Quinn, you might you probably remember this. We had a a band concert the next day. I walk in and I uh, do remember that. I go to Mr. Efflint, love that man, and say, "Hey, 
Mr. Eflin, it broke my pinky. I can't play the bass. I played the bass and the flute. It was quite the, uh, quite the combo middle school there. Um, and we had a whole ensemble we had to play. So I had to learn how to play every note with my ring finger in about eight hours. <laughs> Didn't go too well, but same thing. They reset my pinky at the dog shops. I left, left for like a week. Cause I was just, didn't want to go. Right. And, uh, yeah, they, they completely reset it. I didn't get the numbing, numbing shot though. Didn't they have um, to rebreak it? Yeah, they rebroke it yeah, uh, yeah. right, right then and there. So uh, I, I just, I deferred against the shot cause the shot hurts like crap. So, um, but yeah, it was a, it's a good time. Well, it's, it's really strange to me. So the bottom of your foot has like a lot of padding, (laughs) right? Yeah. You you can say that. Yeah. 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 You, well, you walk on the bottom, not the top. So yeah. Yeah. uh, Or, you know, I, I, I hope, I hope that's the way you would hope so. Uh, so they have to use like a thicker needle. Ooh. And, but, uh, I didn't feel it. They they uh they were squirting freezing cold water while they were doing it, mm-hmm. so you don't feel the the pinch. And I was like, yeah, I didn't feel anything. He's like, yeah, we're good. I'll come back in twenty, and you'll be good. I wonder if your toe is just like cutting off so much circulation, is about to die and plop off, so you couldn't feel yeah. anything anyways. So well, uh, th- we're this is a really long opening talk about broken bones, <laughs> but the the fun I think the funniest part of the whole thing was. I broke it on the, uh, it was, uh, but, uh, the, I went into urgent care to just like, I don't know, see the x-ray. I don't remember. They, uh, they took my blood pressure and it was like really high and they were like, Oh shoot, your blood pressure is like really high. And I was like, could that be from like the adrenaline and pain in my body right now? <laughs> and the nurse, the nurse was like, Oh yeah, that makes sense. And I was like, yeah. Duh. <laughs> where are you going to where are you going to the doctors, man? You, you might need a new one. They they yeah, they, they, they set it in place, they're freaking well, out. Like, <laughs> yeah, my goodness, man. Come Good and healthcare. slap your foot. Like that sounds like real healthcare right there. I like it. Freaking redneck city over there. <laughs> my goodness. Hey, you know what? I haven't had a copay yet, so I'm waiting. I'm waiting there. for that bill to hit. So there it is. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. <laughs> there it is. We think we did it right. We think we didn't charge you for a copay. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. Hopefully, you got an HMO there. God damn. Oh, but, you know, that's the uh, I think title of this episode is going to be Broken Bones, and people are going to have to listen there in and go. figure out why it's called that. The yeah. metaphor through all this is beginning of the season, a lot of broken bones for the Padres because we sucked. And now that little numbing shot and resetting it maybe that's the trade deadline so there you go thanks for that that intro boys that's how and, uh, and we and we think we have fixed the team with that so yeah yeah, yeah. all you need to do is reset the pinky toe and i.e get a get a rich hill and here we are yeah the world series so not too bad but with that being said we uh quick update to transition here 54 and 55 a game below 500 it's taken us a sweet 110 games to get back to this to opening day at O and O. So if we can uh, go ahead and take care of business against the Doyers this weekend, which is always a fun task at hand, then we can potentially get above 500, but we'll see how, see how that goes. Uh, we're currently eight and a half games back. The Dodgers four and a half games back of third place in the wild card, which is shared by the brew crew and the road because they shared the lead in the central as well um so kind of a little bit a little bit funky there um but 
oddly enough, we are actually, um, it, you know, four, usually four and a half is a lot better than it was in, in the past, but NL teams, the, those that are not leading the division other than the, the Brewers and the Reds. So the, the Dodgers and the Braves are way ahead that middle of the pack. There's just so many average above average teams that are going to get figured out here in the next 50 games or so. Uh, that we're only six and a half back of the top wild card spot who are held it's held by the Giants. So very, very abnormal. I feel like usually that first wild card spot is we'd be like 10 or 12 back. Um, so in terms of getting back in the race, there's a lot to look forward to here. So especially with how we've been playing in the month of July and then early on here in the in the month of August against the Rockies. So uh Quinn, I'll I'll come to you first real quick. Um what do you think has like changed from the all-star break really that like, I know we're not, we're still not really winning close games. We still haven't won an extra inning game, which we'll get into a little bit later. Uh, but is it is the hitting? Is it just like chemistry? Like, what do you think that's kind of attributed to talent? <laughs> you know, sometimes it's nothing sometimes. And, and I don't know if that's the correct answer, but one, one thing that uh, we have kind of discussed leading up to this is, Run differential, all the all signs point to. Oh, my relationship just went out. All signs point to the Padres being a better team than their record shows. So, you know, one theory is that right uh, that the results are just showing up the right way. Now, sweeping the Rangers, one of the best teams in the AL, that's huge. Um, their, the pitching was lights out all, all weekend. Hassan uh, Kim has become this larger than life figure, I think, um, and is starting to, and, you know, this might be a hot take, starting to kind of feel like a face of the franchise type player. He's a fan favorite. He does all the little things. He looks like he's having fun when he plays a game. Uh, and I think having a player like that mm-hmm. energizes the team. You know, a lot of the a lot of the you know Padres fans are upset with the Padres having a super team and all the superstars acting like they don't want to be there and phoning it in, blah blah blah. I don't necessarily buy into that. You know, I think that we do that. There are a lot of highly paid players. I think some are having down years. I think Xander is probably about what I expected out of him. Yeah, uh, maybe a little under. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe a little bit under. I think Manny is having a down year, and I think he's had a couple down years, but this is kind of one of those. It's like sticking out. Uh, and then, you know, Toddy coming back from a, a long suspension. Um, so, you know, I think that the team was underperforming as far as their record shows. Yeah. They weren't necessarily a bad team. They were just, I, and I hate to be this guy, but I think they were unlucky. And, uh, and the baseball gods have a funny way of flipping that luck. I mean, losing two or three to the pirates, everyone's like, this is, or selling, 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 sweep the Rangers right away. Go on the road. Bye bye. bye. <laughs> right. Go on the go on the road to Colorado and win two out of three, lose a heartbreaker. You know, you win that heartbreaker, 
they're over they're 55 and 54 right now they're on a 6 game yep. win streak you know i you can you know you can chalk it up to the team is playing better together the pitching has really taken off um i on uh in wednesday's game i was at the bar watching it the uh put up seven spot in the ninth inning yeah that's a meaningless seven spot but it looks good on paper yeah um so I, you know, we'll we'll really see this weekend against the Dodgers four game series. Uh, I believe they have a Sunday night game on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, they finished the series on a Monday, which is they've done twice this year. I've never really seen that in the past. But yeah, interesting. Um, so it'll be a good uh, barometer to see. You know, is this is this time or you know, winning five out of six games is that's that looks good and they make yeah. it eight out of 10. Can they make it? Can they keep the momentum going? I mean, with 50 ish mm-hmm. games left in the season, you want to get to about 90 wins and that's for, let's see, 36 more wins than they have right now. So that's like a 600 over 600 winning percentage yeah. the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. We'll see. It's put up or shut up weekend, I think. And, uh, and let's hope that they put up. Yeah, no, well said. I know the Dodger series is always interesting. I know that infamously we lost every series last regular season and then we won in the postseason. And then this year we haven't played them very well um, with the new schedule. We don't play them as often and everyone else in our division, which has been so refreshing versus it feels like we put, had like eight series against the Dodgers, even if it was like five or six. Uh, so that's been that's been kind of nice, and not only just the Dodgers, just feel like we're in Coors Field like every other week, and then in the in the desert and everything. But um, in terms of you know where momentum lies, I think that the Dodgers have been pretty streaky this year. They they started off okay, not that good. Then they went on a blazing streak in May and kind of fell back down to earth. And then in July they absolutely took off again. And then they they've been middle of the pack. They're five and five in their last ten. So the the put up and shut up is exactly correct. I think that it's there's no more time to keep saying, oh, we'll put it together, we'll put it together, so on and so forth. So the the pods at the very least need to split this this four game series. I mean, you'd love to see them win it against the Dodgers, especially in a four gamer with Joe getting pushed back with his little shoulder being cranky. That's going to be tough. Rich Hill's going to make the start on Sunday, from what Bo Mel said too. So. That'll be against his former team from from last year, a couple of years ago. Uh, so that'll be interesting. So there's a lot of storylines per usual going along with that. Fernando, you mentioned that seven spot in the ninth inning. It was meaningless, but seeing guys like Crone and Fernando and guys like that start to get a little bit more dialed in. Uh, Fernando loves a Dodger series. So to see him finally get that 100th home run, hopefully break out of this mini slump he's had the last three weeks or so and carry that momentum into, into playing, playing the Dodgers. And that would be, be good to see. But uh, I just want to highlight Hassan Kim because you mentioned him at the beginning, just got named the 2023 uh, heart and hustle award winner for the Padres uh, completely deserved. I've, I, every time I see him play, I just rant and rave about the effort that he puts out. And that is one of the reasons that he's a fan favorite. I mean, obviously coming from Korea, you know, that's a huge culture change. You're moving countries, moving halfway across the world. Our fans from the get-go have done an 
absolutely amazing job in accepting him and just embracing the the player even when he was struggling offensively you know his first couple years they have stood by him every time he comes up to bat his name gets chanted and that patience that sometimes isn't there nowadays has totally been there for him and now he's back to that the korean ball levels where he's hitting like 284 he leads the team right now with a 284 average uh he's leading off He's hitting like almost 400 in his last couple of weeks. He's just been stolen bases. Fire. Yeah. Yep. He leads the team in stolen bases. You're right, Patrick, with 22. Um, so I have just, there's, you can't say enough about the guy. He brings the energy, he brings the passion. He plays through pain. He's kind of been the tone setter since we put him at the top of the lineup. And I don't think that there is a, there's not no correlation between us doing well and having Kim every day at the top of the lineup. He's hitting like 391 in the, in the opening spot there for the, for the offense. So if he's, uh, and with that being said, one thing that I've noticed is he's walking tremendously a lot ever since he's been up there, which he didn't used to do before. Um, so now it's just get on base, whether that's hitting walking before it was, he was trying to press from that sixth, seventh spot, try to get that big hit, I think. So, um, I've just been tremendously impressed with him and yeah, face of face of the franchise. I mean, I don't think that's a, especially with where he's at. I think he's the the MVP right now for, for the 2023 Padres. I really do. Even with the year that Snell's having, especially since May, um, I think Kimmy has just been amazing. He's like third in war in baseball. So just in terms of offensively, defensively, he's been absolutely phenomenal. So uh, just to kind of round out the, the, team leaders and stats there since i mentioned a couple of, of kimmy's juan has been another guy that's been on absolute uh, on a tear he's been the the old nationals juan soto that we were hoping to see for the last year now uh, he's leading the team with 23 home runs 951 ops and then he's tied with xander with 104 hits so xander sneaky up there he's been playing a lot better last couple weeks um, and then as a team we're hitting 240 which is 20th in the majors so still not where we want it to be but a lot better than 28th is where we were uh, about a month and a half ago. So we've been seeing some progression there. Uh, we're 11th in the majors in OPS uh, with, at, with the 743 clip. So that's been climbing. I have 142 home runs, good for ninth in the majors, and then 88 stolen bases, which is good for 11th in the majors. So we've been trending upwards uh, for really the last six to eight weeks now, which is what you want to see. And let's let's kind of keep that rolling. So um patrick i don't know if you want to like expand on you know kimmy or or juan soto or what tatis has done or whatnot but um, I'll, I'll toss it on over to you see who's kind of impressed you at least recently or or to date so far yeah i think even just uh touching on kim i mean uh i think it was when we first signed i think it was one of the fir- first podcasts kind of went on with you when we were discussing it he uh that was your biggest thing is saying like you think he might struggle because we were talking about the average angle of pitchers in south yeah. korea versus the MLB. I forget what the height differences were, but it was pretty substantial or we might see him struggle a little bit in those first couple of years. And you said, watch him take off once he kind of gets it figured out. And yeah, that's right. Really started to see that. I even feel like towards the end of last year, we started to see that he started really yanking those home runs over that short left field wall where he started like really just getting it figured mm-hmm. out when he's biting on this pitch as well. And um, I think as a team, I think toddy has been a little bit cold past couple, but like you were talking about, I think it was yesterday, right? When he yanked that. Yeah. And we're just absolutely mashed it um, for that hundo. So I think we're seeing guys trending that right direction. Um, I think as a team too, just even looking at our averages, I think last 30 days, I believe we were at a 268 average. And then within the mm-hmm. last 15, 277, 
And then within the last seven, three thirteen. So you're seeing this like really steady climb that we're having um, in terms of our batting average, even OPS wise, the last 15 days we're at an eight twenty three OPS. And then the last seven we're at eight nine nine. So we went from, yeah. we're sitting around that fourth uh, for average in the last 15, seven days. And then OPS we're up at the third in the last seven. So we're really seeing this. We're kind of tearing up in that upper echelon of uh, teams, which is where we, really need to be. we need to stay in that mm-hmm. top three consistently the rest of the year really if we're gonna have a shot of uh kind of yeah. a good spot going to the playoffs yeah. that's a that's a great point i mean that's kind of i think expectation wise this year that's where we thought we would be maybe not top three but at the very minimum top 10 mm-hmm. so now we're finally there where we're top 10 in most major categories other than average right now we're still sitting at 20th but i think we're starting to get a little bit more aggressive which is good to see so Batting has been trending in the right direction. Pitching has been pretty solid this year, uh, but it's still trending upwards as well. Uh, team pitching, we are first in the majors, which when I was putting in the stats for the agenda today, uh, absolutely blew my mind. We got a 366 ERA that is top tops in the majors. Uh, so staff's been getting it done, especially recently, but to date, best earned run average in all baseball. We're ninth in whip with a 125 clip and 234 batting average against batting average against excuse me good for fourth in the majors Uh, a lot of that has been down to the combination of snell and musgrove and you know waka has absolutely carried us on his shoulders the first couple months before he got a little bit banged up and then since then snell has completely turned it on and musgrove has followed suit snell leads the team with a 250 era and also major league baseball with a 250 era uh, Musgrove has 10 win wins to lead the year, uh, lead the, excuse me, lead the team this year. Snell's whip leads the team with a 129. Mind you, when I was putting in the stats, Michael Waka does not qualify anymore with the amount of innings he's pitched. He actually has a 107 whip on the season, so he'd still be leading the team, which is just goes to show you how well he was pitching up till this, up till his injury. And, and, uh, Snell leads the team 156 strikeouts and also batting average against at 198. Somehow he got snubbed with the uh, July NL Pitcher of the Month by Corbin Burns, who snubbed him from his all-star spot as well. So it's kind of annoying to see Corbin Burns as damn good as that that guy is. I mean, he's well-deserving, but uh, Snell, again, this this past month uh, was even better than the month of than the month of May uh, or excuse me, month of June. So this. Month of June, he was three and one, point eight seven ERA, thirty one innings, fifty three strikeouts, one twenty four average against, phenomenal. Month of July, he was four and one, so one one other win, point five six ERA, is even lower ERA, one more innings pitched at thirty two, forty two strikeouts, so a little bit lower than the strikeouts, and the opponent average is one ninety six. So he should have won it this year. I think it's just or this month, the fact that he won it the previous month, they were probably trying to pick someone else. Um, but collectively he's just been absolutely phenomenal this year. So second half snow turned up in May. So been absolutely fantastic to see him turning on the gas. Um, I know we mentioned Michael Waka. He is actually pitching in Lake Elsinore this weekend. Bo Mel just mentioned that today. Uh, so really cool to see him come back here soon, especially with acquiring Rich Hill. We're going to get some bolstered starting depth here. Uh, Carlton's just to continue the IL update. Carlton's on the 60 day IL. He's elbow inflammation. I think he's probably looking at Tommy John, which is a bit of a bummer. Uh, Reese Kinnear, he's on the 60 IL. He had Tommy John last month. Alec Jacob, 
we highlighted as one of our minor league, minor league spotlights here. Uh, he did get placed on the IL after his second or third appearance, and it was crushing it to start his MLB debut. Uh, he's on the 10 day IL. He Quinn just mentioned he does not need uh, before we start recording, at least he does not need surgery by the look of it. Uh, he does have some elbow inflammation as well, though, so I'm sure they're going to keep it keep it kind of easy with him. And then Tim Hill uh, had a left ring finger sprain. I have a feeling that might have been a phantom IL a little bit with all the moves we made just to give him a little bit of a break. So that's kind of that's the uh, update on the IL right there. Uh, Quinn, you would you like to uh, chime in here with any of what we've just covered? Yeah, we also have one more guy. Sorry, we forgot him on the list. Uh, more home, 15-day mm. yep, uh, knee inflammation. Uh, probably the most fragile guy we've had in years. Um, yeah. But, um, yeah, I just touching on Alec Jacob, really electric stuff uh, for a guy that throws about 89 miles an hour. Um, everything moves. He made... He made uh, Vlad Guerrero Jr. looks silly with some darting fastballs and a dirty little slider. Um, he put George Springer on his knee. But George, George Springer looked like a minor leaguer against him. Um, so, you know, wishing wishing these guys speed recoveries, obviously. Um, when they're healthy, you know, I think having an Alec Jacob and a, I won't say Tim, uh, obviously Waka. <laughs> Um, that you know, when you carry the team on your shoulders, you, you're you're bound to have some inflammation there. So, um, right. <laughs> when we get him back, you know, I I I'd say Lugo probably bumps to uh, set up role, and mm-hmm. and uh, at that point, you're looking really solid as as long as Walker continues to do what he's been doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know what? Even though Seth is probably the guy to go to the bullpen. It's just because he has the experience there and he's been lights out for us. Honestly, when he's been starting, he has been phenomenal for a fourth, fifth guy. He's even been thrown in that third slot a couple times with some other injuries this year. So um, that's been really good to see. So again, that's why our ERA is first in baseball is because of, of the guys that we have. And Ruben Niebla is a freaking wizard of a pitching coach. So um, just goes to show you how great of a job he's done. We've had two stretches in our bullpen where we have been like 28th and 30th in, in ERA over like a three week period. And we're first in the majors in ERA just goes to show you how dominant we've been outside of those stretches. Cause our bullpen has looked awful a couple times uh, this year. So good to see that we've got some reinforcements here, uh, especially not only on the injury side, but also the trade side as well. And what just recently passed, as we all know, is the trade deadline. So that happened at the uh, kind of middle of the day yesterday. Yesterday, right? No, two days ago. What was it? The Yeah, two days ago. It was on Tuesday. Recording on a Thursday here. Uh, they always said time flies and you become an adult, and it is absolutely flying year in and year out. So Tuesday turns to Thursday real quick here. Uh, but anyways, trade deadline a couple of days ago. Uh, we ended up making a few more moves than it looked like we might at the deadline there. I know that there's a, a full-on flurry of them right when we hit hit the time there to where you can't make any more trades. And a lot of times it's just due to reporting and guys getting the the trades through and submitted to the commissioner's office and stuff like that. A little bit of lag there. So it looked like 
We had only made that trade for Choi and Rich Hill from the Pirates. Uh, since I'm continuing on the bullpen additions here, we did end up also getting Scott Barlow from the Royals for right-handed pitcher Henry Williams, who is our 10th overall prospect, and Jesus Rios, who was another minor leaguer. But um, yeah, so we get Scott Barlow. He comes in. Uh, one thing right off the bat, um, Bob Scanlon reported on it if you guys were watching the game but he he shows up to the clubhouse and he's wearing like slides that look like fish so immediately you're getting a character he's got great moss flowing out the back there he was the royals closer which isn't the toughest thing to do but he was closing over Araldus chapman this year so the last two years he had phenomenal years a little bit bumpier this year uh but and then on top of it he took a 3 a.m flight in order to get to denver to be able to pitch this year and he hasn't pitched more than one inning in over two seasons. And he did that. He went over an inning because right when he came to the squad, he wants to make good at first impression. He's here to win ball games for us. And he did that yesterday, especially which was extremely clutch with uh, Joe Musgrove getting uh, scratched there late. So uh, Quinn initial thoughts and, and feelings on, on the Barlow trade who is uh, under contract through the, the end of next season as well. So he's not quite just a rental. Yeah, uh, Scott Barlow, good dude. I think uh, a lot of people would agree with that. He's been a he's been around. Um, it's, I'm thinking of the right Scott. Oh, yeah, uh, five year veteran. Um, he has stuff. Um, you know, he has. Uh, so far, this will be his first season uh, with an ERA plus under a hundred. Um, since he's been in the majors, but he's thrown almost, um, oh boy, there it is, uh, over 300, 300 innings, innings. Yep. Uh, ERA plus in his career, 133. So you're looking at a guy that is a, is a good addition. And, you know, you can look at his numbers all you want. Um, the past two seasons, he's had ERAs under three. This year, it's in the fives. Uh, you know, his, his career ERA is three through seven which matches up with his underlying metrics, you know, uh, with his fit. Um, but, you know, right now Preller's betting on this being a down year and Barlow comes in and throws five outs and strikes out three batters. And that's what you're looking for from, from a guy that you're getting at the deadline. Uh, he, he's a help to the bullpen. And uh, you're right. He does have some some naughty lettuce coming out. <laughs> um, Southern California guy. Yep. Coming home. We're. Uh, it's funny. A lot of these, a lot of teams will make a move like this at the bullpen. Uh, sorry, at the deadline, where it's a bullpen arm that you may or may not have heard of. And uh, they end up doing fairly well. It's kind of like a second thought for a lot of teams. Mm -hmm. um, but this can end up being a, a big part of that, you know, end of the season push. Um, I will say that, um, you know, giving up Henry Williams, uh, uh, Tommy John guy, 
hopefully he comes back from that. You know, that's he's pitched this year to a uh, five seven ERA in the Cal League, which can be misleading. Um, good fastball overall charted as like a middle of the rotation guy or a bullpen arm, you know, you, mm-hmm. you may or may not be losing a lot there. Um, and then the other, uh, the other prospect was, uh, yeah. Jesus Rios. Jesus Rios. And he was basically like a lottery ticket where he's, you know, 20 years old, 19 years old, whatever he is. And he's a Dominican guy and, uh, fastball in the nineties in you know, the mid to upper nineties. Um, so you're getting a, a proven guy. You're giving up a couple guys that may or may not be anything. You got to be happy with that. Um, the one prospect that we did not mention, Sean Reynolds from the Marlins. Yeah, I haven't uh, into the, the Marlins trade yet. Yeah. Yeah, in the Weathers deal. I don't know if you want me to jump ahead or if you want yeah. to. Yeah. Yeah. No, go for it. Yeah. No, just so, to highlight that. I mean, we gave up Ryan Weathers for Garrett Cooper, first baseman DH and Sean Reynolds uh, for Garrett Cooper and Sean Reynolds, who is a right-handed pitcher bullpen guy uh, in the minors right now. But uh, yeah, continue. So, on. yeah. So um, I'll let, I'll, uh, I'm going mean, to, I won't touch Garrett Cooper. So I'll leave that for someone else, but mm-hmm. I do want to touch on Sean Reynolds real quick. Yeah, uh, he's a 25 year old, I believe, um, but has a 70 grade yep, fastball. Mm. Um, so the fastball is electric, uh, touches 100. The, his command is the issue. So you're uh, he's a very good athlete. He was a he was a, like a two way guy back back in the day. Um, but uh, 70 grade fastball on an 80 grade scale, he's got stuff. And that's one of those things that I love at the deadline where Garrett Cooper can be an asset, but you're also yeah. looking towards the future. Uh, Ryan Weathers probably not going to be a future guy. So that seemed to be like a, a no brainer for me. Um, yeah, that's what I got. Yeah, no, I think. Um... And two-way guy, Sean Reynolds, uh, you're talking about his athleticism. He is a unit, six foot eight, two fifty. On top of that mound, he's like seven two. Like he could he could dunk a twelve foot hoop on top of that mound. Uh he he was averaging about ninety-four point nine miles per hour in the fastball last night in his first appearance with El Paso Chihuahuas. Um, he ended up striking out the side. So again. Higher altitude, a little bit different. Just got off a plane and whatnot. He usually sits about 97, 98. And like you said, he can touch 100. Uh, so, and he was like the 21st prospect, I think, for the for the Marlins. So he was almost a throw-in to the Weathers deal. Uh, just because Garrett Cooper is on the the major league roster, he's going to fill in first, be, first base DH, power hitting right-hander. Mm-hmm. Uh, so again, Reynolds is on a, uh, he's younger, like you mentioned. So he's the guy for the future. Cooper is going to be signed. He's a rental. He's his contracts up at the end of the year. Uh, so good to see some, some return to where we can, you know, see him in our pen potentially for years to come and not just give up weathers for Cooper. Uh, so I thought that was a, a borderline fleece from AJ. I think, Ryan Weathers, he's a he's a top ten pick. Uh, he came in and you know shut the Dodgers down. He was eighteen years old. 
Uh, he has goods. He's got good to great stuff. Uh, location has always been a bit of an issue. So, you know, in terms of the future, I, I mean, yeah, if Ruben Niebla can't fix the guy and he's been in the, the team for a while, it's probably better off for him anyways, just to get a fresh start. The potential's there. The pedigree's there with his dad, um, but obviously you're not the same player as your as your father. So for me, I was ready to kind of move on from anyways. I didn't really foresee. I, I saw him being like a AAA MLB guy bouncing back and forth like he has the last couple of years. He, he just he hadn't been progressing in the last in the last two, three seasons. And that could potentially be from his development from us calling him up too early. Um, there's a lot of different factors going into that. So good for him to probably get the move. Getting Cooper and Reynolds back is is fantastic. Fantastic. I'll, I'll touch on Cooper here before I kind of bounce back to that Barlow trade. But uh, Garrett Cooper is uh, 32 years old. Uh, he's 6'5", 235 himself. So I sound like your cliche American commentator here, just, just naming the metrics of what these guys weigh and how, how tall they are. Uh, but he's also a unit. He's from Torrance, California. So uh, local-ish boy. Same with um, same with Scott Barlow, like you mentioned, Quinn. Uh, but this year, he is hitting 256 with a 296 on base percentage and a 722 OPS. So he doesn't walk a ton, but he slugs based off of where that OPS is at and where the, the OPP is. So he's got 13 home runs, 46 ribbies. Uh, no stolen bases, your classic first base DH, uh, 78 hits on the year. So in, in a little over 300 at bats. So he's going to be a perfect guy against lefties, you know, even righties as he's hitting DH. We got Choi, who we'll bring up here in a sec too. He's going to probably platoon with him more at first base. Uh, Quinn is getting darker and darker. <laughs> Yeah, right when he started uh is is talking his, his screen went dark so i know you guys can't see that but uh it's pretty funny so uh really happy with the with the transaction so um i know i've been kind of spitballing here for a little bit patrick so patrick do you want to come in and, and touch upon this trade or the barlow one yeah i think uh this one with cooper i think i saw a thing a little while ago about just like him being kind of like your average joe like hitter i feel like with a lot of stuff he kind of has that like good power like with it in terms of kind of like quinn was talking about it's not a guy that's like standing out really in any Mm -hmm. sense of like you see him in the lineup and it's like you know that starting pitcher is like shaking his boots more so but i think it's that guy that really fills that bottom of the lineup i think which we've really been missing out on a guy that can really hit uh bring some guys in on those you know two out you know, runners in scoring position we've had trouble with where he's able to really hit those, you know, doubles, get those extra bases in there to really bring a, you know, clear bases in certain situations where Mm -hmm. uh, we've really struggled in the past. And just what we've seen in past couple months when I was at a game, once the bottom four guys in the lineup of the game, I was at had a below 200 average. It was like a one nine seven average combined. So that's, I think been a huge uh, issue for us in terms of, um, why are uh why we're so low on those wins totals at the moment just because we can't mm-hmm. finish games just with that lower if that top of the batting order is not producing so i think just overall with the picks that we've picked up i think it wasn't anything which i think is what we exactly need to do is not pick up a huge name but really fill the gaps of this and kind of create a glue for this team where we have major pieces in there but we've been a little astray at the moment so i think all these guys really fill those little spots and really create yeah. a well solidified uh, batting order from top to bottom, as well as that pitching too. not just putting all the rely on the starting pitchers needing to go seven 
innings and then finishing off mm-hmm. with Suarez and Hater at that eight nine. So it really allows us to fill that in. Yeah, no, that's a good point. That's where I feel like AJ did a phenomenal job this trade deadline to where he's known as Mr. Splish Splash, right? He he plays basketball, he plays rec ball. He is there to go make those big moves, those head turning. Oh my gosh, we got Juan Soto last year. You know, we got Josh Bell, we got Drury, we got you know, and Bell and Drury obviously aren't on the same pedigree as as Soto, but you know, he he acquired Snell, he acquired you know Darvish, he acquired. Tatis, who at the time wasn't as big, he signed Machado, you know, signed Snow, signed uh, Hosmer, signed uh, Shields. You know, like he's always in it for the big splash. And this deadline was a total. We had we had this really nice ship, right? This nice cruise ship. And there's just little holes all throughout the damn thing. So it looks like it's supposed to be a good time. But we're pretty much we were like borderline Titanic throughout the first half of the season. Then you get guys like Cooper and you get guys like Barlow and you get guys like Choi and Rich Hill. And all of a sudden we're plugging up those holes to where it doesn't, you're not adding that main feature on the top deck where everyone's going to go see, but maybe we can get across to our destination here, which is the playoffs and beyond. So um, that's where something where AJ hasn't done it in the past. That was something that we needed this year was the depth, like you mentioned, Patrick. And in doing so, he didn't completely deplete our farm system, which I thought was amazing. Like Henry, Henry Williams, top 10. He's the, our 10th overall prospect. He was the highest prospect to move. Um, everyone else was not even listed other than Jackson Wolf was traded, which we'll get into here in, in just one sec. Uh, but there was a 10th and a 16th, and then the rest of them weren't even in our top 30. So I thought that's where it was a, a great job on AJ's part to get these guys in and not completely, you know, band-aid our, our future here um, in terms of getting rid of guys. So uh, last thing before I kind of throw it over to you, back to you, Quinn, uh, Garrett Cooper, nickname Koopa loop, kind of cool. Um, Scott Barlow scoots Magoots. So already, you know, the guy's going to be a character uh, getting a closer to be in your sixth, seventh inning guy is uh, again, plugging up those holes in, in the boat there. So uh, hopefully that that little metaphor hit there. <laughs> but uh, overall, super happy with the Scott Barlow and the the Garrett Cooper Reynolds trades. Like you said, Quinn Henry Williams, he's he pro, like he probably would have went first round if he didn't get Tommy John coming out of Duke. Right? Is is his uh, mm-hmm. his college there? Um, and then Jesus Rios, he's 21 years old, so he's not super young, uh, but he's in, you know, summer league. So um, he's a he's another flyer to where, you know, he's got plus fastball. He could turn into something. But for a guy like Scott Barlow, that's going to be throughout the, you know, the end of next year, uh, having a – it kind of feels like we bought low on him based off of the the season that he's having compared to the last couple of years he's had. Uh, so So really good to see. Uh, the final trade, which was kind of the first one that was announced here that was done, was uh, G-Man Choi and Rich Hill came over from the Pirates for Jackson Wolf, who was our 16th overall prospect that I just mentioned. Alfonso Rivas and outfielder Estuar Suero. Uh, Suero was a 17-year-old, super young, kind of flyers. Reminded me of the Darvish trade that we did with the Cubs uh, a few years ago where we sent them a couple new international signings that were like 17, 16, 18 years old. Uh, so uh, he, again, you know, that could be like the Tatis in the deal is probably what they're hoping for. Uh, who knows? It'll take a good three, four years to even see if we we hear the guy's name again. Uh, so, you know, good good luck to him. But again, depth move. Choi, lefty, 
really good. Saw he's like number two in barrels this year for the amount of games that he's played. So kind of sneaky power, good contact hitter. Rich Hill, that starting rotation depth, old head, good experience. If we're gonna get to the playoffs, he's the perfect guy to have in your clubhouse. And again, not not breaking the bank on what we're putting, what we're giving the other way. Wolf, 16th overall prospect, made his MLB debut a couple of weeks ago. Did a great job, I thought, against the Tigers coming back out and and getting five innings. It was kind of like a showcase there, really. Now, when you think about it, for for AJ at the the trade deadline, it was good timing to bring him up. Um, Rivas, he's your classic quad A guy that you mentioned, Quinn. That he's going to be on the fringe of a roster probably in triple a most of the year uh always good in triple a once he gets up he doesn't quite shine and then like i mentioned swear 17 so uh quinn how, how are you feeling about about this uh trade overall yeah uh i love Rachel and um i was thinking that the mariners were going to make him one of their uh primary trade targets during the deadline situation <laughs> Um, so, you know, I think that is a solid pickup for a guy that has the experience. Um, one thing that I think is super cool about Rich Hill, uh, he was a, uh, 36th round draft pick in 1999. And then, (laughs) so that was out of high school. And then, uh, he ended up going in the fourth, uh, after college uh to the cubs and um one of the coolest things so he pitched from 05 to 2014 in the major leagues and then no one signed him so he played independent ball in the atlantic league uh in 2015 he made he pitched 11 innings for that for the long island ducks and uh the red sox sent a scout he signed for the red sox and uh, has back been back in the majors. So, uh, ten year, basically a ten year veteran, when played independent league, and now he's going on year eight of his second season of majors, which I think is pretty cool. Um, he uh, in 2019, I believe it was, was uh, one out away from throwing a ten inning no hitter. Yes, uh, and he gave and he gave up a walk off home run, which brutal they lost one zero <laughs> uh so uh the definition crafty. of brutal <laughs> yeah uh crafty left-hander devastating curveball he's old you know he's fragile hopefully the padres find a way to and he's thrown he's already thrown almost under 20 innings this year yeah, hopefully they find a way to manage his workload going forward as far as you know you want to keep him healthy for the postseason potentially if that happens mm-hmm. um g-man Choi crushes righties fought over 500 slugging against righties this season garrett cooper crushes lefties What the what the Padres did, right? (laughs) Yeah, this is exactly what Moneyball like when when uh, when in the movie when he's like, "Don't make me point at him again." It's not about one player that's just good against everyone. If you can build two or three guys 
to fit one slot in the lineup. That's that's what they did. They used two guys. If you combine the right and lefty of Choi and, and Garrett Cooper, you have a guy that's slugging over 500 uh, OPS in the mid 800s. Yep. That is awesome. So they don't have to start every day. Exactly. Exactly. Um, you know, neither of them are, are amazing defenders by any means, but uh, that's why we have a DH. That's why we have first base. Um, this will give flexibility elsewhere. Guys need a day off or guys need a DH for a day. Uh, Garrett Cooper can play the outfield a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I say a little bit, can play a little bit. Um, Doesn't cover a lot of ground. Right. I will say that uh, Jackson Wolf came up and shoved against the Tigers. Yep. And uh, it's a West Virginia guy. Uh, so yep. sad to see him go. But uh, he's probably not a guy that figures in to the Padres plan anyway. Um, and then Rivas is a quad A guy, like we mentioned. So, you know, you don't, if he pans out for the Pirates, power to him. Mm-hmm. Um, same with Suero. You know, if if five years down the line, we're in this like James Shields for Tatis was the <laughs> Rich Hill for a Suar Suero of 2023, then we're gonna be hurting. But uh, <laughs> I don't I don't know if that'll happen. So uh, thrilled. I'm thrilled with the Rich Hill, G Man Choi uh, acquisition. I hope that we uh, they get deployed the right way and uh, can help the Padres win uh, 40 of these next 50 games and end up winning the NL West and not even have to sweat out like a wild card series. Hey, that yeah, Rich Hill might be the guy right there. So that's right. Um, again, just to kind of stick with the nicknames, Rich Hill. Field of Jeans. I don't know who gives these guys these nicknames. But I mean, it's a good one. He's in, in the league two separate stints, like you mentioned, longer than most guys' average career. And G-Man Choi, probably my favorite, G-Money. <laughs> That's like kind of just an epitome of his personality. Anywhere anywhere, and everywhere that guy goes, he is absolutely loved. He's a, he's a total just jokester, you know, good vibes in the clubhouse. So I think he's going to be a fantastic acquisition, not only to mash off righties, but just to have that guy in the, in the clubhouse, you know, from Korea, just like, just like Kimmy. So, so cool that they already have that repertoire and the pedigree between the two of them on the national stage. Um, And he was born in Dong San. So he was born to hit Dongs anyways. So Mm. good to see that we got him on the, uh, on the roster there. Uh, Good point too, about, you know, him and, and Cooper, you know, matching together. I feel like that was the original plan between Matt Carpenter and Nelson Cruz and father time just caught up and bit them in the ass, unfortunately. So uh, we're kind of resetting here on the, in the, uh, the deadline here. Uh, G man Choi can also have, he has a mean stretch at first base. He might not be the best defensively, but the man can, touch the ground with his midsection there so um pretty pretty neat to see <laughs> very it's good entertainment um he's gonna he's gonna that's gonna anytime that you can be more flexible as a first baseman you're in a on a serious note you're gonna be providing some value for 
for your uh, your squad just beating out that half step. So uh, he was limited this year with an Achilles strain. So he's only played about 30 games. Uh, so a little under 75 at bats. He's healthy now. So good to see, uh, you know, six home runs and 73 at bats. That's pretty damn phenomenal. Like I said, he's, you know, he's not qualified for the the barrels percentage on the advanced metrics there, but he's second in the league. And I want to, I forget who's that. I think Acuna might be number one. And then it's like G-Man Choi. <laughs> it's like number two for barrel percentages. So he's lining up that, that baseball quite well. Um, so he's going to be super, super fun again, drafted by the, by the, the angels, um, Barlow drafted by the Dodgers, Garrett Cooper. He was drafted by the Brewers, but he's from LA. So I feel like we're getting some like SoCal, you know, um, Homer's coming back, which is, which is kind of cool. But, uh, yeah, overall, I'm absolutely stunned with it, uh, with both moves, with both guys coming in, especially for what we've given up, honestly, just to kind of echo your point there too, Jackson Wolf there, Quinn, uh, you know, what I saw, he, he crushed in double a, he did, he shoved kind of in, uh, you know, and his, he really, he pushed through those five innings and showed a lot of character with that rain delay there to get through that one strikeout which was shouldn't even have been a strike to be honest if i remember correctly watching that game so swing and miss isn't there i kind of see him more as a middle relief guy anyways or like a five starter uh but he's got you know similar kind of stuff as hill too so you never know you never know um but ultimately like i i, I agree with you i don't think i i foresee him after that start kind of in the padres long-term plan so uh hill has been phenomenal the last you know this year and last year not so good the ever since he came back in the league he's been fantastic and the fact that he used to be on the Dodgers and he's going to go face them pretty cool so uh I don't know if you want to add anything to to the Pirates trade there Patrick no I think like those uh main things is kind of going along the lines of that uh trend we were seeing of really picking up a few uh you know, mid-range pieces there that are mm-hmm. kind of filling this lineup in where we need to see uh, it get filled up. We're not needing a huge bat right now. I think I'm hoping what we see too is it kind of reinstill that confidence in that top of the batting order of going like, you know, you guys are our guys. We're not looking to get rid of any of you. You know, we think we still have a team to make a push this year and we're not needing another huge bat in there because you guys are those guys that are supposed to be doing that. So hopefully it instills a little more of that confidence in the clubhouse of, uh, you know, this is our team, this team we're going to be able to win with, especially that those, you know, top four or five guys to really start producing. I think we're bringing a couple characters into the clubhouse that I think we've been needing. Um, and uh, point on Rich Hill, old man, uh, that old head, I thought they used the uh, the Snapchat old man filter on him of the post they put up <laughs> on the Padres thing. Oh, I, I really nice. thought they, I really <laughs> thought they used the, I had to go look him up on google i was like there's no way he looks that old and sure enough i was like poor guy yeah but uh <laughs> um all power to him but yeah i think uh, overall i think good trade um i think kind of like one of those things uh seems more of the risque on the pirate side if anything you know they're kind of grabbing a couple guys that like that quad a we talked about a 17 year old could become something or could become nothing you never know but um, then jackson wolf like yeah he's more of that uh, back end uh, pack with it, but uh, mm-hmm. like liked, liked what I saw in terms of his confidence. So that's, that's one thing I did enjoy watching him play, yeah. like, you know, having that rain delay, giving up a run, then be able to shut it out the rest of it. So I think he did a great job in that sense. So I think he's going to be a guy that I don't think uh, 
Uh, whereas Ryan Weathers, I think, kind of relies on more of like him playing well, where it's a little mm-hmm. more in his own own head, I think, when he's playing. Whereas I think Jackson Wolf has that ability to kind of dig out of those uh, dirty situations when he's not pitching well, where I think he's kind of like that fighter a little bit. Um, kind of like what you see in Snell a little bit when he uh, might give up those yeah. first innings and then, you know, might have like tons of pitches where he only goes four, four and a half innings uh, yeah. uh, where he's fighting back. But um, yeah, I think, I think overall good trade though that we're seeing across the board. Good, good point about Wolf there too, Patrick, because he's probably just been that like dirty nose, freaking, you know, get get down to it with his his velo sits at eighty seven to eighty nine, kind of like Jacob when we brought him up too, like what Quinn mentioned earlier, just kind of weird, funky delivery, uh, but just has to grind it out and rely on location and and making guys get off, you know, off balance with his with switching between his fastball, off speed stuff like that, so. Um, yeah, no, that's a, it's a good point. He's a, he's a gritty guy based off of, you know, how well he's progressed to, uh, definitely can see him making a career out of it. Uh, so good point on the, the mentality side. I feel like that's not touched upon enough with a lot of these guys and, you know, for Hill being 43 years old, having that independent stint there that you mentioned, Quinn, uh, talk about mentality. I mean, the guy's just old head gets down to it, but in, Mud and uh, Donnie were talking on the telecast. Mud loves Rich Hill, like absolutely loves Rich Hill. I think there's so many guys in the league that do. He said, you know, four out of five days, the guy is the nicest dude on the planet. And one out of five, when it's his time to start, he is a dog. He is there. He's a competitor. He is there to absolutely kick the other team's ass. So I think we could definitely use some of that mentality in the clubhouse as well. Um, Just, you know, let's just freshen up get kind of a coach player in there and, and kick some ass. And then on top of it, you know, he's there for rotation depth, mostly because Waka being down right now, but uh, you know, Joe just got pushed back with the shoulder, like we mentioned. So it's coming at a good time. So he, like I mentioned too, he's going to be pitching on Sunday, according to Bo Mel against former team in the Dodgers. I mean, he could pretty much call any team his former team. He's played for half the league. So uh, pretty cool to see. I didn't know that he was drafted in 99 as well, Quinn. So that's pretty damn cool. Um, might one, be uh, the last one. One uh, additional thing on Jackson Wolf before I move yeah. on here. Uh, we'll talk about mentality, Patrick. This was, uh, I'm glad you brought that up. As a, uh, as a former Mountaineer, uh, <laughs> obviously we're a little tougher than most. Um, we uh, make up for, for the lack of talent. That's right. So uh, in the 2021 Big 12 tournament, uh, the Mountaineers were facing uh, the, the second-seeded Texas Longhorns, and my man Jackson Wolf was facing off against the Big 12 Pitcher of the Year, Ty Madden, who's probably going to be a big leader this year. Um, and uh, what did he do? He threw 123 pitches, complete game, the Mountaineers won five to one. They ended up going to the Big 12 championship game that year. Uh, he's he's a grinder, mm-hmm. uh, as most West Virginia people are, just like myself, uh, <laughs> just like John Cruff, uh, just like Jed Jerko. Uh, no, Je- no, no, you just lost all credibility in that statement with the you Jed know, Jerko you- grinder. So, uh, I, I appreciate you bringing that up and, and, you know, he does have a low level of toughness and, and uh, obviously, you know, it's funny. 
I don't want to get too too uh, in the past here. It's funny because you want to see former Padres succeed, but yeah. you don't want to see him succeed too much. <laughs> uh, so it's one of those things where, yeah, no, you go do your thing. I hope you're good. I hope you're great. But I hope you're not so good that you make us regret something. Yeah. No, that's... Yeah, I'll wish them all the best, but uh, I guess wish them all the good, not the best. So, yeah, 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 yeah. I like that. Yeah, no. So, I think out of all the guys that we mentioned, probably Wolf is the one guy that you know, even talking about it, you guys talked me up on him even a little bit more. I'm like, oh, damn it, that would have been nice. But for the return that we got in Choi and Hill, I'm yeah. fine with him going the other well, way, like absolutely you, like you mentioned, mm-hmm. Quinn. Um, you know, unfortunately, with that too, with these moves, uh, we had DFA. Honeywell, Brandon Dixon, and Preston Tucker. Uh, you know, again, sucks that Honeywell kind of went out on the bang that he did. He he started the year so hot, and then he just kind of slowly went down. I still think he's a better pitcher than Garcia. I think Garcia has the cred in the bank from last year to where that is the reason that he stuck around instead of of Honeywell. Uh, Brandon Dixon, quad A guy, La Jolla's finest. Quinn loves him, so he's really devastated that he's off the squad now. <laughs> Um, first episode of the year, I think Quinn was like, why, why Brandon Dixon on the team? He can't hit. Um, so he's just, he's a good player again, like a Rivas, like a, he's a good player. He'll find a spot on another team. That's probably in like the bottom five of the league where he'll be up and make, you know, part of a difference half the year and then be on their triple a squad. So, uh, he's made a, he's made a good career out of himself for, you know, what he's done. And then Preston Tucker, Kyle Tucker's brother. He really just has the the brother's name. He's a good player, but again, there's we're not uh, losing much there. One thing that is really interesting, uh, Rich Hill is was reassigned to the minors because he has minor league options just because they're going to make a impending move on Sunday when he starts. I would imagine that would mean that Pedro Avila uh, goes down to, to AAA. He did a great job uh, against the Rockies that first start of the series there. So first start or it was either first or second game. Um, he, he did a pretty damn good job and he's just been that guy. Uh, I remember him coming up against the diamondbacks. He went like six innings, like two earned a nasty curveball. went back down to double a and we didn't hear about him for five years, but apparently he got Tommy John in like 2019. I think they're saying so, uh, good swing and miss stuff. So good to have in the, in the depths, but I would imagine that's probably going to be the corresponding move. The final little trade we made was uh, Kevin Pilecki to the Rangers for cash. Uh, so he they picked him up a couple months ago as some catching depth in the in the minors. Good pop for a catcher, but then Campy came back. You know, Sanchez ended up. It's kind of like an insurance policy for Sanchez, and then Sanchez has been doing you know cracking things, which is insane. Uh, especially lately, he's been turning it on again. So they traded him to the Rangers uh, the night of him walking off for the El Paso Chihuahuas against the Rangers AAA team. So it was pretty interesting. He literally beat them in dramatic fashion and then walked to the other clubhouse so, um, for cash. So um, always feels a little funky when you're trading a guy for cash, but, you know, is what it is. So overall, trade deadline, uh, I thought was, you know, if we had to give it a grade, I'd probably give it like a B plus uh, right now. Um, maybe an A minus even, I mean, results will, will tell, you know, come, come later in the year, but you're not going to get in that a category typically without like a big splash, but I thought they did 
an amazing job with, with the depth being added and on top of it, not breaking the bank going the other way. So overall, trade deadline was a success this year, um, especially when it looked like Troy and Hill were the only ones coming in. Then you throw in Cooper and Reynolds and Barlow for not much going the other way. I, I thought that it was uh, overall a successful successful trade deadline here. Uh, stat, some quick stats before we get into a little minor league spotlight and then wrap it up here. I know we've been running pretty long per use. Uh, this is what happens when we record every other week. We got so much to talk about. So I got to get back on the weekly grind here. So we don't freaking get you guys to bed at 11 o'clock every damn time. But uh, let's see, Patrick, you want to take the, uh, you know, the first three listed there uh, stat wise. Yeah, sure. Uh, this first one, maybe you want to just absolutely vomit and just like throw my phone. When I saw this stat roll across, um, I think, uh, I ended up sending this to you and then you, uh, so joyfully sent it to me again after the next couple of games added to the statistic. Um, so the good four plus or as it's kind of going around on Twitter, uh, when we score four plus runs, we are 48 and 15. When we score three or less runs, we are six and a giant F bomb 40. So, uh, I don't know. I think that's just showing our huge inconsistency that we're having. We're putting up 11, 10, you know, double digit runs on teams, giving up one run. And then, uh, we turn around and cancel your damn bat for the life of us. And with the way our bullpen has been going, uh, in that five, six, seven inning, uh, now that we've swore his back, I think like we have a, probably swung that a little bit more, but, uh, we just haven't been able to finish those games and get the game to haters hands. Um, in those ones we're kind of blowing it a little bit late when that pitching can't push that six, seven innings, mm-hmm. um, in extra innings, uh, we still suck. Uh, we are still zero wins and in extra innings. Um, so I'm hoping, uh, Rich Hill just absolutely choose everybody out the next time we go into extra innings to just like yeah. tell everyone to stop being such a bitch. Um, when it jeans, comes to those extra innings. yeah, just, we just need just a little bit more, uh, like we how many losses it. we got in extra innings. How many losses do we have at extra innings? All of them. No, the, the amount. <laughs> we do have all of them. We haven't won a damn thing. We got the intense that or the yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you said yeah, no yeah. wins. We got oh, 10 sorry. Losses. Uh yeah, all of them. Yeah. Every every <laughs> game. Sorry, I got that. <laughs> that's all good. Um, and then uh the six and twenty-two, I believe that's one score games, isn't that? That is one run game. Yeah, yeah, one run game, six and twenty-two. So uh just no balls when it comes to one run game. So I'd <laughs> like to see. I'm really going off right now on these stats. It's pissed me <laughs> off reading this. Um, so I need to go back to that trade deadline and read through that again. Uh, in those last seven days I've been doing, go back and read that after this. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I think this is kind of, and granted this is, you know, the whole year. So hopefully this statistic changes slightly over the next, you know, couple of weeks. But yeah. um, I think this is where we're really seeing why uh, that uh, run diff is so high, uh, yet our record is so shit. So I think it's really coming down to like just those uh, late innings, um, those close games and just not being able to uh, finish those off. No fight, man. We got to have some effort when we're backs against the wall. So hopefully these new guys are going to come in and and flip the script here. Uh, Our diff, like you mentioned, Patrick, we have a good R diff. We're plus 75. We're fourth in the NL. Uh, We were third. The Cubs just went on a a enormous offensive tear in July. And then even the, just the first couple of days in August, uh, they have shot up the, you know, I think they scored like 172 runs in July and the Padres were tied for second with like 104 or something like that. Like, I mean, don't quote me on that, but there's a 
fat gap in between like them and like number two, the Padres are tied with like the Braves uh, for, for the months of life for run score, which is solid. Like we're second and the Cubs like almost doubled it. So uh, they scored the most runs in a two game stretch since like 1900 too. I saw like, I think it was like 35 runs or something. It was something stupid. So went off, but uh, 75 run differential good for fourth in the NL equates to you know according to advanced metrics and everything that that measures you know our our predicted win loss to 62 and a half wins we're sitting at 54 so obviously a bit unlucky there like Quinn mentioned uh, there's a there's a luck stat that's uh, another advanced metric since we're bringing that up where I don't know exactly what goes into that. It's just called luck. I don't know if it's an acronym or if they just measured a whole, I'm sure they measured a whole bunch of different things that go into it. Um, so I don't have the definition to what creates that output, but we're at negative eight wins for luck, which is worst in the majors. So again, a little bit, just a little bit unlucky, not enough bit, not, not enough grit when it comes to those close games. Uh, and then, there's definitely a mentality thing that needs to switch. If you're six and 22 in one run games, own 10 and extras, you know, six and 40 and three, three, three or less runs. So when the going gets tough, we kind of just back down. And when we're killing it, we just keep piling on is basically what it's looking like. So um, yeah, Quinn, you want to take that, that next one with the, uh, the Orioles stat you threw up there? Of course. Um, so this is more of like a context type deal when we're talking about luck um so ryan mentioned plus 75 run differential when you know when i mentioned earlier about like maybe nothing's going wrong or going right it's just kind of the padres are now getting the results they deserve we look back we go back into the past we look into our crystal ball and we see that the 2012 baltimore orioles had the Oriole magic uh, 29 and nine in one run game. So we're six and 22 this season. That's basically a flip. Uh, the Orioles made the wild card game. They only had a plus seven run differential, which is essentially a 500 team, maybe yeah. a little over 500. Uh, and they ended up winning the wild card game. They lost to the Yankees in the DS in five games, but um it's just a demonstration of that's that's winning a lot of one-run games. The Padres right now are losing a lot of one-run games. There's not a lot of what could be done better, or maybe a decision was made incorrectly here, or maybe uh, this guy knocked the ball down when it could have gone through, or this ball was hit, you know, six inches to the left, yeah. and blah blah blah. There's a lot of baseball is random. So there's a lot of stuff like that. And the the Orioles thing was mostly just to illustrate the flip side of this. Like mm-hmm. even the plus 75 run differential, we should be a 60. In some seasons, the plus 75 run differential might be might equivocate to, to 70 wins. Like you yeah. might be getting extra luck. So right now, Padres extremely unlucky and we're hoping that this last stretch of the season that regulates self corrects uh and we start to see the 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 super team that was predicted um uh, you know i'm i'm being optimistic i'm right. being optimistic here because i'm usually pessimistic about the padres but 
it's it's I would predict that their path would at least lead to some excitement, like a playoff hunt over that la- over over that September. Yeah, and we're also I know we've been extremely unlucky, but what has been very lucky is how poor really that middle of the NL has been. We could have had four or five kind of like the AL like very very even six super good teams to where everyone else kind of getting left in the dust the fact that we're a game under 500 109 games into the year and we're four and a half back of that the last place wild card spot and six and a half back of the top uh that's a little bit lucky so hopefully the tides turn hopefully the trade deadline here you know the reinforcements we've made kind of flips that script like i mentioned too so um no i think that was a really good polarizing kind of stat to throw up there quinn um so i appreciate you including that the one thing i want to add to before we hit this minor league spotlight real quick uh a ton of games against teams that are right around that that wild card hunt so we you know we play the dodgers which you know obviously we're probably not going to catch them but you know any game against them is is huge uh we play we have three games against the the diamondbacks next weekend uh, we play baltimore which is going to be a huge series because they're they're super good not really you know meaningful in terms of guys to, to catch but then we play the diamondbacks again then we play miami then we play milwaukee then we play the cardinals then we play the giants then we play philly uh so a lot of series coming up you know if we can start winning some series here then they're going to be extra meaningful just because of you know where those teams are just slightly ahead of us in the wild card hunt. So this is the time to turn it on and start getting hot. Uh, I did see a stat where the Braves that won the World Series a couple of years ago were 51 and 54. That happened to be the Padres record too. And for whatever reason, that has kind of been a trend recently with the Nationals that were you know, 14, 15 games over 500, under 500 in June. The Braves weren't too good. You know, there's, there's been a lot of teams recently where they haven't necessarily been the top team. I know like the Astros won it last year and they had like one of the best records, but like we bounced the Dodgers and they had the, their best win total in history. You know, the, I remember the Mariners from 2001, right? Quinn was the, was the O1 Mariners that had like 115 wins and they got bounced in the first round and the giants won 108 games like a couple years ago and they got bounced first round. So it's not how you do in the regular season necessarily. It's, it's just getting there. So we can get there and get hot. Like we did last year at the right time, then we should be in in a good spot. So good to see that we are having some, some positive momentum here. And you just, it's August is going to be the most pivotal month of the season so far, especially with who we're playing. So um, good to, Let's take care of business here. Uh, real quick, minor league spotlight. I mentioned Alec Jacob a couple pods ago. He ended up coming up way quicker. I I just he was doing crushing double A, so I just mentioned him uh, as did a few other people like on Twitter and stuff. Uh, just with how well he was doing, came up immediate impact. We mentioned he's down right now with the elbow, uh, but we're you know looking around. Kevin Caps is another guy that that I'll probably bring up on the next one, um, but the. We, we can't ignore what Ethan Salas is doing right now. He is on an absolute tear as a very young 17 year old. I'm sure everyone we've talked about him when, when we signed him, he's the number one overall prospect in the international signing international draft here uh, this year as a 16 year old uh, had a couple of hits. The first game went on a little bit of cold streak has been on an absolute tear recently. 
wouldn't be surprised if he gets called up to high A ball here as a 17 year old. He's going to be a 17 year old next year at the start of next year for at least a couple months for the season. So um, just absolutely crushing it. He's got an 871 OPS, 279 average, 35 RBIs, nine home runs, uh, also has a cannon for an arm. So just absolutely tearing it up. And again, mentioned this like about a month ago, but his demeanor as a 17 year old, 16 year old at the time was just so mature and way past his current age. That was the first thing that really stuck out to me. So I think he's going to be a guy for the, you never know with injuries and, and how they develop and stuff, but he looks like the highest rated prospect that we've had since, since Fernando. Yeah. And I like, uh, I like a lot of things about Ethan Salas. Uh, he's a, he's a little guy. He's a good athlete. He's a catcher. Could probably play elsewhere on the field. Um, one thing to keep one thing to keep in mind, you know, he's playing in uh, Elsinore right now. Is that correct? Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep he has not nine dingers in forty five games. You, you uh, extrapolate back to a major league season, and you know he probably plays one hundred and ten games, maybe as a catcher, yep. or a hundred games. Uh, that's twenty bombs, twenty five bombs assuming that pace is around the same he's slugging 520 it's it's uh it's pretty incredible that a teenager playing against guys that went to college he's playing against high school draftees that have been training in in their respective you know yep. uh teams for 2 3 years at this point and he's not only holding his own, but really excelling. Yeah. So, um, you know, he's not Padres number two prospect, 23rd overall. Um, I think that you got to be excited. You got to be excited. Yeah. He's not going to, you know, he's not even going to sniff major league soil for like four more years, probably three, four more years, depending. So something, you know, we'll keep an eye on, hoping he continues his progress. But he could, like, this is a guy that could be a a guy. Mm-hmm. I With how fast he's progressing, I could see him, like, middle of the 2025 season, uh, especially if we keep Campy and Campy stays healthy, continues his progression. I mean, in right now, or I mean, you're always going to make some moves, but you got Sullivan, you got Nola, you got Sanchez, you know, in the middle of the pack there. I know there's some guy, some guys ahead of him there too, but uh, he seems like a guy that had this like learning curve for two weeks, and then he's just taken off. So, um, yeah, I could I could see him, and that would be as a 19, 20 year old catching major league pitchers it's just it's unbelievable he's just so again he's the reason he's our spotlight minor league spotlight player of the week uh he's probably going to be on there many a times he's probably just going to always be on the agenda and stick there just so we can stay on his progress and then we'll just mention someone else because he's that damn good uh so really really exciting to see his uh and follow his progress here 
here soon. He also, um, I always love it when you got a righty thrower and a lefty hitter. I don't know why that's just one of the things I absolutely love. And baseball seems to have that, um, from time to time, especially as a catcher, it's pretty, pretty awesome. So, um, I'm not sure if you want to add anything there, Patrick. No, I think, uh, just uh hoping he keeps trending in that direction that we're seeing. Like you said, I think yeah. uh it was kind of shocking. Like, you know, he had that first crazy game, first one that he played, and then he went in this like, you know, a little bit of the like cold streak. And I was like, oh, there's like, you know, catching up with him maybe. And then he just like just caught fire again and just doing his thing down there. And it was kind of shocking to see considering the age, you know, he's just I mean, dude's not even the height he's gonna be in a couple of years, like strength wise, dude hasn't even probably been able to put down muscle or anything like no he's just he's like gonna yeah. be 20 plus you know like so for the fact that he's doing these things when just even physically he's completely underdeveloped to what a major leaguer is like i mean geez like rich hill is got like almost 30 years on the dude you know what i mean like <laughs> the guy's just completely different uh time frame of things and i mean just weight wise size wise like even i'm the one thing that you mentioned though ryan is that maturity which i think as a catcher yeah. i think is an absolute must in the majors yeah. i mean you look at those top guys throughout the years of playing catcher it's all those guys that are very stoic very calm and collected in situations you interview them and they're very well put together because you just have to be in order to calm those pitchers down and keep them at a low level in high pressure situations so i think he's got all those key parts of the makings of an just like what Quinn's saying of just being the guy, which the Potters really have never had the guy at a catcher. So uh, I'd be interested to see how that uh, uh, turns on um, how we develop as a, uh, as a club as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it's, it's really on us now to develop them. So that's a great point, Patrick. Uh, and yeah, just the, the fact that he's 17, like I didn't even mention that, but he has, yeah, another, like dad bod won't even kick in until he's, you know, 24, 25, where he's just going to assume extra strength just because of his age. So, uh, he's so, even when he run like when he runs, he's like a, like a newly born gazelle that isn't quite at that top speed yet, but he just looks a little uncoordinated and it's just because of how young he is. It's incredible. And he's not slow. It's just, that's, you know, that's how young the guy is and he's actually born in florida which is really interesting so that would have made it easier to to come back i thought he was born in in uh uh venezuela but apparently he was born in, in florida and moved back to venezuela with his family so kind of cool uh his brother is a uh, place for the is in the twins organization as well so got him on the the radar there but uh yeah so minor league spotlight ethan salas he'll be on there Pretty much every agenda, like I mentioned. Uh, just real quick, too, before we get out of here, shout-outs, uh, Erica at Midget Bubs, Eddie at Padre61, and Al at Al Scott1998. Appreciate all the uh, the content that you've been interacting with us here on Twitter. Uh, our boys, Jared and Evan, are working on a new logo for us here, so we're going to start getting a Instagram and YouTube channel going for this. I mean, we, we record on zoom, so we have all the video content anyways. Uh, so that's coming here soon. Uh, I keep saying that logo is coming soon, but we just had a little meeting a couple weeks ago. So excited to share that with you here soon. Uh, Quinn go knock on Jared's door next door. If uh, he uh, can get us an update there, <laughs> but uh, other than that, uh, I'll go to you first, Quinn, anything you want to, outro on plug discuss probably want to go yeah to i mean i mean it's in, the, 
<laughs> it's in the agenda, but uh, we kind of skipped over it, so I don't know. If we're, but I will say that uh, before the season started, we had a podcast and we talked about players that we were excited to see, and yeah. and I said that you know obviously there are some potters I was excited to see, but I said that the Reds were going to be the most exciting team in baseball, and that is a bullseye. I don't know if you've seen this alien playing shortstop slash third base for the Reds, but he was created in a lab to play baseball. <laughs> uh, he's already recorded the fastest throw in the infield since the Statcast era started recording that. He's already. Tat- I think Tatis had the the old one, didn't he? No, it was uh, it was uh, O'Neill Cruz. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's uh, all? Yeah. Continue. Who's also a baseball playing alien, but he's injured right now, so we can't really include him. Uh, he he also recorded, I think, the fastest home to third time. Uh, he's also hit like five of the hardest hit balls for the Reds this season, and he's only played like thirty games. If you've not heard of Ellie De La Cruz yet, I recommend watching any highlights of him because it's basically <laughs> like a something crazy happens every time he touches the ball. Uh, first pitch today he saw was a uh, dead center tank. So uh, the Reds, they also have some other exciting prospects. Uh, I believe Brett Barlow is his name, uh, another middle infielder. Um, and, of course, they've got Joey Votto talking some fun stuff in interviews. I don't know if you guys saw this, but he gave a funny interview the other day to Mad Dog. Mad Dog, yep. Where he said, yeah. you, t- you said we were hollow very good, and I probably agree with that. And that, my friends, is Joey Votto in a T. Should he be a Hall of Famer? He's probably on the border. Uh, one of the greatest Reds? Probably. Top 10, uh, I'd say, yeah. Yeah. So um, if you haven't watched a Reds game this season, I highly recommend it. They're fun to watch. They're young. Uh, a lot of good stuff going on over there. Their, their manager, David Bell, could beat the crap out of anyone he sees. Uh, <laughs> and uh, they, you know, it's it's always fun to see a young, you know, a young core take place. And, uh, and I think the Reds are building something special. Um, to, I mean, to boot, uh, when Ellie De La Cruz got called up, they were, I think, in fourth in the division, and they're tied for the top spot now. Yeah. Uh, and the Central is usually kind of laughing stock, but this season it's very competitive. Um, and I know that the Cardinals were selling and the Pirates are the Pirates, uh, but those top three teams are, are, I wouldn't want to face any of them in the playoffs. No. No. I think De La Cruz has that O'Neill uh or O'Neill uh Cruz and then Tatis vibes too. It's kind of like gone Tatis, Cruz, De La Cruz. Um and yeah, like these guys are just literally they almost like body composition wise, just of how lengthy they are, but yet so quick and powerful. Uh, I, I'm convinced that there is also a lab in the Dominican that is producing these dudes. Quinn, it's unreal. They are just 
insane athletes um, that have found the game of baseball and are just crushing it. Uh, but yeah, appreciate you popping on Quinn per usual. Uh, love the, the knowledge is always coming through. So uh, Patrick real quick, before we pop off, you uh, want to mention anything? Yeah, I think uh, just hope we uh, see a good stretch here. I think the next uh, few weeks are going to be uh, pretty make or break. Um, we got a, a pretty big series coming up against the Dodgers and then some in-house games. We got, I believe, Diamondbacks twice, don't we, uh, over the next yep. two weeks. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, just between those series alone, I think that's going to make or break uh, how it's looking for us for the next uh, month and a bit. So, um, like to see at least a split series against the Dodgers and then hopefully – uh, win both against the Diamondbacks. That'll pull us right up in that running for sure. So especially without the Dodgers been playing, they've been a little bit off the last uh, 10 days. So um, hopefully we can stay on our hot streak, keep them on their cold streak, uh, and yep. roll into um, August, towards the end of August, looking up that top tier, fighting for that number one spot. Like it. No, same. I think the vibes are finally turning, getting a little, a little better. I think G-Money and crew are going to, going to pull it together here so uh i'm excited it's probably the most hopeful i've felt since the beginning of the season and they're i mean baseball is such a long season ultimately you want to see them do good make the playoffs win the world series obviously it's so long that the journey needs to also have its exciting moments and entertainment and i feel like it was just so dreary there for such a long period of time so hopefully we can at least see some good baseball have some exciting games going forward and just get those those good vibes. I saw one thing on Twitter where this guy said, baseball fans cracked me up. They, there's 162 games, and they're literally miserable the entire time versus football <laughs> 17. You know, it's like, oh, my team sucks ass. And you go to Monday, and you're like, oh, there's next Sunday. And so, you know, I think the overreactions in baseball can be a little bit much. Um, so it's uh, – it, I'm I'm excited to get some, some good baseball here coming through and just some good vibes. So uh, – Hopefully that is the case here in, in August, but appreciate you boys hopping on. That was a, a solid one. Thanks for uh, hanging in there too. It's 1020 on a Thursday night. So have a good Friday boys and weekend. Uh, you know, everyone listening to this will at least be Friday. So hopefully we kick some Dodger ass and we will talk to you guys here soon. Right. Peace. Sweet ass. Thanks, Ryan. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Podfathers, a Slam Diego Padres podcast. The Podfather is produced by Lowson Walls and is executively produced by Jacob Lamb. Our theme song is A Bubba by Trilock. To get in touch with the show, follow us on Twitter at Podfathers619. That is at P-A-D-F-A-T-H-E-R-S 619. Or email us at podfathers at gmail.com. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all other major audio platforms. Go Pods! Go Pods!